Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the stock market show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to the Australian Stock Market Show. Once again, we've a great lineup of viewer questions tonight and some of the questions you're asking are just blowing us away. So keep those questions coming in and we'll continue to share our thoughts on the market. Our topic for tonight, short selling explained how to profit from falling stock prices. Now, before we get into the show, if tonight is your first time watching, we'd like to give you a big special welcome. Thank you for joining the show tonight and we look forward to sharing many more evenings with you. We'll answer your most burning questions, your trading or investing questions, and include providing our opinion on where your favourite stocks are headed. And each week of the month, we rotate through different markets and, our share, and then share our thoughts on the charts to keep you well informed. Remember, our goal for this show is to make your trading or investing journey easier and safer by informing you and educating you on the realities of successful investing and trading. Hello, I'm Janine Cox, and joining me tonight is Dale Gillam, and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Hey. Hello. Oh, hello. I thought you were. Are you awake? Oh, sort of. Sort of. Oh, I had an early morning this morning, so <laughs> I got visited by ghosts of past. Oh, that's no good, is it? <laughs> no, all... You hate it when that happens. Yeah, I do hate it when that happens. It's terrible. But hey, I got a haircut. Did you? I yeah. thought you were looking trim and terrific. Nobody's allowed to get hair. Have you noticed how so many people that you normally see, like this morning I saw, what's the guy, Neil Mitchell, and his, his hair's growing long, like he's a radio person. Mm. You know, he's got his hair growing long and then... You see, I saw Tommy Emmanuel do a live video of him playing the guitar the other day and his hair was long because he hasn't been, because he wasn't allowed to go to the barber. So I went to the Shea Boutique Lay En Suite with, <laughs> for my haircut and, and, and I slept with my barber. <laughs> so, oh, that's, that's where I went. So anyway, okay. I couldn't stand it any longer. I needed no. a haircut. Yeah, I think but, it was just getting too far around your well, knees. I thought we got the hint last week with the lawnmower man coming. So then I thought, well, I'll lawnmower my head. I was going to start calling you a hippie. Uh, yeah, you probably would. <laughs> I used to have long hair and everything else. Yeah, I know. You were a bit of a skeg, weren't you? Like, if I can say that word. Skeg. You know, I was a surf. I was a surf lifesaver. <laughs> yeah. I was only thinking about that the other day, actually. A skeg with a keg? This, no. I didn't drink. I didn't drink when I was... Okay. So, uh, but hey, we've got to mention Flex. So we're yep. doing all this stuff on Flex. So we do a lot. Our Talking Wealth show is on Flex, I remember. To get on that, net. I said .com last week, so I got in I think I've got a gun You'll get sacked. I'll get sacked from all that sort of stuff. So Janine and I are putting things together there. We call it Talking Wealth. And if you go to Flix, you'll see us um, there. You'll, there'll be a, what do they call it? A moving picture thing. You'll see us on that. But if you go to the finance section, you'll see our videos there. So you know, you'll see a whole lot of them. Every day we're putting up something. So Did you spell it correctly? 
flixx.net, and it's not a it's swear sure. jar thing. Now, remember, if you have a burning question for us, you can also send us your questions as an email, but really, I'd love you to not to be shy and really have some fun with it and record a 30-second video. It's so easy to do. You stick your phone in front of your face, your webcams, your laptops, whatever it is with the camera, do it and record it and send it through to us here at info at wealthwithin.com.au. Moving on, it's the second Tuesday in the month, and this means we take a look at sectors and indices of the. I had to spit that one out. Sectors and indices. Indices of the All Ordinaries Index. So let's get into the charts right now, shall we? I hate it when you have a word that you can't say. It's a terrible. Got and then stuck it gets between most and it gets stuck in your head, and you say it over and over again. <laughs> I kept saying, quit calling somebody Stan or something, and his name was Sam. You know, it's just like terrible. <laughs> Let's get into this. All right, we look at the table there. We can see um, the top of the leaders board is information technology. So interesting that the infotech um, side of the market is quite strong. There have been a few um, smaller stocks actually in there that mm. have taken off. Healthcare sector up eight percent discretionary, consumer discretionary 4.7%, and this is the yearly return. Materials uh, down, up 25 Now, look at the bottom of the board at the moment. There's quite Energy. a big shift. So 4.5% down on the communication services side, so that's the telco side. Utilities is down 125 Industrials down 14 Financials down 17 Energy, 41 I think they're the areas to watch for sure mm. um, in the in the coming year. So there's some good thoughts there on the yearly view. Now let's go to the monthly figure and see what happens there. It's a sea of green. Mm. So the Australian market's actually pushing up and we're seeing information technology up 12.8 for the month. Financials are really strongly off their bottom, but they need to come off their bottom. I mean, they've been so low. Um, sounds terrible coming off their bottoms, but um, I'm just talking about a low. Must have had a bad curry or something. Bottoms eh? and tops. Okay, all right. <laughs> be right. careful there. We don't step into a murky territory. So utilities at the bottom, 3.6%. That's the lowest in healthcare, just above that 3.8. So, of course, in the middle, we've got energy around 5.1 materials, 4.2 and consumer staples, 5.7. So it's a real mix in mm. terms of what the sectors are doing. But it's interesting to see energy up 5%, I thought, right in the middle there, being heavily down uh, We've had time. a couple of those energy stocks to right last few weeks, haven't you? So oh, some oil they're starting to come others. up a little bit. Yeah, so we're starting to see some moves there. It's, it's looking good, but it's really only been over the last week or so that, you know, we've seen mm. a bit of a shift last week or two. If we look at uh, the weekly, we can see the information uh, technology 4.63, uh, still at the top of the leaders board on the, on the weekly uh, board. Financials still holding second place, 2.9%, down at the bottom energy. Mm. So we're still negative there on a weekly basis, but it is early days for the start of the week. So I'm not really expecting a lot here. Um, no, so I'm not, but it's interesting how with the, the technology sectors still still moving, mm. you know, because it's... But it's uh, been going up and down. Yeah, and I know I got a lot. I remember when we did the thing on the FANG stocks versus the WAC stocks here in Australia. Yeah. So, And a lot of people were surprised that the WAC stocks here in Australia beat the FANG stocks. Mm. And, I, and I know I get comments all the time going, why would you invest in Australia? The US kills Australia. And yet so many times we've shown on this show that the actual real statistics prove mm. that it doesn't happen. You'll get individual stocks outperform our stocks yeah. at different times if you want to nitpick different stocks. But our market performs really well all over time, you know, but, and but our look, stocks do. I mean, it's getting a bit boring that mm. we're following the US a little bit. Well, we that's true been. too. Mm. So if you look at what's been happening over there with the technology side, our market's been 
tracking that. Yeah, it is. What I'm suggesting is that you don't necessarily have to go. Going to the US doesn't necessarily make you better returns. I see what you That's what I'm saying. And so yeah. whilst you might get, Apple might do better than, mm. let's say, zero or vice versa or whatever it is. It's it's You can cherry pick that sort of stuff. But overall, there's just as many opportunities to make money in Australia mm. that it is in the US. And it's not better in the US than it is in Australia. You can make okay. really good money here. That's what I was saying. Okay. And a lot of people don't understand that. They just think this, well, it's got to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you go to the US. So right now, I think it's looking all right. Technology is looking all right. Energy, industrials, materials, they're the areas. Financials, probably for the next year, yep. moving into those areas. So why don't we have a look now at an, a chart mm. of the, the sector itself to see where things are at. Yep. So there's consumer discretionary holding up really nicely at the moment. Nice. So um, you've got um, things like JB Hi-Fi would fall mm. into that, Harvey Norman. Looking at energy, so energy still, as I was saying, is coming off that bottom. It's not confirmed yet. It's quite low there, and it's been pulling back. So we've seen Woodside Oil Search tracking this sort of move, and if it starts to move up strongly, we could get some great opportunities there. Uh, You wouldn't want to jump in early, though. That's the only thing. So looking at financials, that's looking really nice, starting to come off that bottom. Again, you still need to be really choosy in this sector because it's not to say that we, we don't see... Uh, some further sell-off uh, into mm. next year on mm. in this area. Um, healthcare, we're seeing a sideways consolidation, and then information technology again has mm. just shot ahead. So, mm. last one I'm just going to show for tonight. Well, that's the XJO. There's materials there. We can see um, it's it's pulled back some way. And last week, I think it was a broader market rise yeah. that we're seeing there. So it's not necessarily sector relevant. We can see that big move up there. And this week, it's really going nowhere so far. Mm. So still, it's early days. Yeah, one thing that's concerning to me just as we're finishing up here is that we're moving into Christmas, normally a big time for retailers and a whole mm. lot of stocks. Um, and they're in already the moving market. ahead. Uh, yeah, and then, but we've got, if we've got the lockdowns, are we going to be buying more off online? Well, and that's are they, what they're saying And is the that moment. going to be more on online offshore rather than onshore? Yeah, no. I'm not so sure. It's, mm. <laughs> that was my joke. You're not so sure. Yeah, good on you. <laughs> but yeah, we've got to look at that, don't we? Like, mm. Are they going to be going into the shops like your JB Hi-Fi's, your Harvey Norman's, or are they going to be going online? Yeah. You know, that sort of stuff. Well, and I think JB Hi-Fi, Harvey mm. Norman, they all offer a really good service mm. online anyway. Yeah, they do. So I think that's only going to grow. Mm. All right. Well, before we get into our first viewer question of tonight, we'd like to thank all of those who sent an email to us. We actually had a truckload of emails. We couldn't, I don't think we we were able to put them all in for tonight because we got quite a few later on in the day. You do remember, you need to get them in earlier. The earlier you get them in, the more guarantee you're going to be there of having your question answered. But let's take it away for the first one, Janine. Okay. Uh, Our first viewer question is an email from Sally. Hi, I was just curious as to when a company comes into a mar- the market via that reverse demerger you spoke of. That was what we talked about oh, yeah. last week, I think. Back door anyway, listings. when this occurs, mm. does the previous company's chart data remain for the future company's data when looked up or is it deleted? Many thanks, Sally. Thanks. Good question, Sally. And nice mm. to see a question from a lady as well. I Look, this is a good one, isn't it? Because mm. we've often had to look at charts that have been all over the place. We yep. were looking at that stock when we talked about this reverse yeah, demerger, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yep. think, and there was a gap on the chart. Remember yep. that there was a stock we looked at? And so you, you, we, you commented that that could have been another company before it actually um, was trading at the company that it was. And sometimes they can mm. tell, take these um, Yep. Well, normally the data companies. is, that's what the question mm. is, isn't it? Is the, the data stays yes. there. Yeah. yeah, that's the answer. Yeah, mm. and so the, the answer is yes, and but you'll see it pretty easily on the chart because you'll get uh, a huge big spike up generally because it's mm. obviously a stock that's been 
taken off being quoted on the of the ASX normally is a very very low price and it's just a shelf company so the, uh, the other company does a backdoor listing by buying the old that shelf company basically um, and as soon as they buy it they raise capital and the price just gaps right up or jumps really high and so it's pretty easy to pick so if you go to that one day on the chart and look up that day look at the notices you'll see exactly what happens so answers yes but very good question so thank you for asking that now the next one we've got is from Vinay um, who says g'day Dale could you please review Whitehaven Coal for me I'm looking at this stock for the last couple of weeks and it's coming to a buy zone um, if it's sustained over uh, $10, ten, sorry. By the next couple of weeks, please review and advise. I haven't purchased it yet as I'm waiting for the confirmation, 12 weeks or three months. Um, also, if you could review Woodside, which I wanna buy long-term after we see some pullback in the market, I wanna buy once it crosses 20. Long email, Janine, now, what I, are you doing? I know, I said, I, I put that in there on purpose because Why? I suggest that he can put Woodside in next week because that's a really good stock to look at. Well, it is, well, I it? want those big shares, well, that's why I left yeah. it in there, because instead of just getting the so smaller So you give stocks. me the long email, so now I need a drink. Okay. <laughs> so Whitehaven Coal. So we talked about Whitehaven Coal, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. You can see on the charts there, mm -hmm. the monthly chart. Did you want to comment on that one? No. I'm grumpy now. <laughs> He's good to be. Okay. Um, you can see that it's actually trading back towards its all-time low. And we did discuss this. You don't know whether the downtrend is over until you get some mm. sort of strong move up. And at this stage, it's setting up for a potential opportunity. Mm. Look, you know, it's really early days. It's it's high risk. It is high risk. Trying to take it off this low. But it would need to at least trade above uh, that high of 111 and a half in order to prove that it's starting to move in the right direction. But again... It's still a high risk and it's got a long way to go to be able to confirm that. I'd rather see a nice bit more of a trend up than yeah. uh, than just that little move off the bottom. Yeah, it is a quite a volatile um, trading stock, not a buy and hold stock. I agree with you. I think it's, um, you know, yeah, especially given the, risk... the market's been so bullish. Yeah, We've had nine days yeah. straight on our market up. Yeah, exactly. We haven't seen mm. nine days straight up on our market since January. And that hasn't moved. And that hasn't moved. Mm. So to me... That augurs well for our all lords, mm. thinking, well, if we stay up tomorrow, Thursday, Friday and close high, then we're up for the rest of the year. Yeah. That's pretty good. But if we get some weakness, it'll be different. So I just, I'm like you. I think Well, it's the risk early. with this share, because it's trading back below a dollar, it's, it, it gets cut out of a lot of the radar mm. of, of many funds mm. um, looking for small stocks. If it trades below this low, then, of course, it's really in big trouble. But yeah. it could, because That's it's coming interesting, all the way. Interesting, isn't it? It, it is, is interesting. All right. The next one we have is from Alex. Hi guys, after the COVID crash, I bought into Zip at 250 and since then it has had many acquisitions overseas and had an all time high. However, with the current market conditions, I'm not sure whether to sell or hold. It would be great if I could get your opinion. Cheers, Alex, thanks for the great question. Now, Zipco, so Z Z1P is the stock mm. code. We can see the huge gap, and I think we've also mentioned this one on a previous show as well. We have. So while it's pushing up, of course, you'd if you were in it, you would stay with it. If it starts to pull back again, the real risk is that it could take out this low in September 2020 and do it quite fast if you look at how this stock trades. But I'd like to see it clear $9 yeah. in the short term to have some confirmation that it's likely to keep rising because that gap on the weekly is really standing out there. But even like this is looking for the market. Like mm. we're up, we've been up strongly this week for yeah. two days. We've been up nine days solid straight. And if it's we look up. at that, it's still up, but that's looking weak. If we go to the daily chart, you know, 
it gapped up and traded lower. So it'd be interesting to see what it does over the next few days. But it still looks good to me. Mm. I don't. It's, In the it's short still, term. I mean, I'd still be holding it if you, because obviously you mentioned you've got it. So I'd mm -hmm. still be holding it. I'd just put a stop loss on it. It's pretty much all you do. Once you have a stop loss, you can forget about the. Um, you stop worrying pretty much. The stop loss means uh, making sure you're protecting your capital and you have a trailing stop loss on it, which means it trails up underneath the price at a at a level that if it does fall back, it's more than highly likely to continue to fall, not too tight, because if you have a tight trailing stop loss, you'll get stopped out really quickly and really easy and you'll miss out on more upside potential. So just keep trailing it all up. But right now, stay with it. That's what I think. So, but all anyway. right. We have an email from Andrew. Hi, well, you got Adele two in a row. and Janine. I know, I've put the script together, so that's the advantage. Yeah. I picked Andrew's one out. Um, love the show. Recently bought Sydney Airport at 5.44. To me, it looks as though it found a bottom and might be heading north. I'd like to hear your professional views, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew, for a great question. Now, Sydney Airport is one that we like. It's From closed. time to time, we have it on, <laughs> on our watch list. But it's, a, it, it's more risky right yeah. now because of everything that's going on with COVID. Mm. And it really hadn't proved itself. Just the last couple of weeks, it started to trade up. But I still am a little bit sceptical about it at this stage, just given the position that it's in with the flight situation at the moment. People who are buying this are speculating big time. How many people up. in the last, let's say in the last, well, since COVID, since March, how many people since COVID low have been talking to you about buying Sydney Airport? Oh, look, I think the people who have been talking about it, most of the brokers trying yeah? to pump it is up. Is that who it is? Because I just, I just, mm. from the life of me, I can't figure out why. It's like, why would you be picking an airport when it's closed, pretty mm -hmm. much? There's almost no people coming in. There's no domestic travel almost. There's almost, there's almost no international travel. Mm. We've already been told we're not travelling much overseas for quite some time. But we've seen weirder things. We've seen stock prices well, fall. We have. The fundamentals are saying But where's otherwise. it going to make money? Rise, I mean. With, you know, we're yeah. going to do museum does... tours of the Sydney airport where we can go and check <laughs> out the Qantas Club when, when nobody's <laughs> in it or something. Like, this used to be the Qantas Club. <laughs> Look, if it, if it gets above 650, it's got a mm. chance of continuing to rise, but it could then hit its head across here. There's this historical resistance all the way mm. about 740. So why are brokers pushing it then? Look, because probably because certain people are holding it and they want them to. Mm -hmm. That's so the only logic that I can see. If this, if it, if it falls, the risk to the downside, if it falls below this low here in September, mm -hmm. the risk is that it'll come back and at least test that low here. But what? it may actually trade through the high first before it. You know, we know which direction it's going to take, but at the moment there is no direction. On the it doesn't look that exciting to me, no. and it doesn't look exciting to you. But that's why I'm asking you a question because often people will go, well, "What about this?" Because mm. they've heard it from a broker or they've been on some chat from or whatever else. But then, why is it being pushed? Yeah, um, is there an alternative motive in pushing it by the brokers? And that's really what I was asking. And you know, it just doesn't make sense. It, this stock's not likely to make a lot of money over the next year or two. Yeah. You know, so how's it going to get growth? How's but it going to get profits? But then the market generally looks six months, six to twelve months mm. out. So if the market's thinking that because we've the numbers are reducing mm. in Victoria and across Australia, the numbers are really quite low, and therefore mm. things might start to open up a bit. That's potentially what they're yeah. speculating on. Okay. So, all right. All right next so, one. The next question we have is from Andrew. Hi, Andrew. He says, hello, Dale and Janine. Hoping you can review on your show VHT for me. Uh, the stock was in a nice upward trend since mid-2017, but like many stocks in COVID lows, has been trading sideways after initial recovery between $1.26 and $1.54. He says, I'm not a holder, but certainly interested in the stock once there are signs of momentum upwards again. 
What are your thoughts? Cheers, Andrew. Good question, hey. Mm. And look, look how far it's pulled back with COVID. So it oh, was trading above around 2.15 and it fell all the way to 60, so 75 cents approximately. It's massive, mm. massive, massive, massive fall. I don't know. I mean, I don't get excited when I'm looking at that chart at the moment, so I'm not sure about what your thoughts are, but... I mean, it's actually, it's funny because I actually thought that you might get excited about seeing that consolidation and the move up last week, but you know that it's a market-wide move last mm. week. Yeah. So you just don't know whether the the stock itself has got the enough buy momentum behind. I thought it. you were going to say something else. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm being a bit unpredictable. You are. So, I'm going to get a switch. Look, up. it has the potential to go up between um, 190 and 170 and 190. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it. it I, I, I mean, I'm not getting overly excited about it I'm not overly bearish about it because it's got huge support there 120 to 130 so mm. it's got huge support there but be interesting to see whether it trades backwards into that zone and sometimes you'll see stocks trade back into that zone if we use our little tool here if you get like roughly that sort of area you'll it'll trade back into the middle of it so that's 22 percent movements between weeks so it's a bit of a volatile stock but if it it, it has a chance to come back into that sort of level but if it gets down to that lower level, then you, know, you might want to trade it up that a short term trade if you want to do that. But I wouldn't suggest it on this stock. But I think so it needs to risk get point? through. Uh, to me, from a downside risk, is if it starts breaking these lows over the next week or two, you know, then you're looking at it's going to go down further. But I, you know, if it, if, until it got through that sort of level, I wouldn't get too excited about it. I think mm. um, I think there's a little bit too much resistance there. But it is in health and health technology, and and I don't haven't looked at its fundamentals, so I don't know exactly mm. what it's doing there, but if it's got a good story, why not if you're looking at it for holding it longer term? Because mm -hmm. okay. so, I, don't, I don't think it's going to fall too much further, but oh, okay, so it's me again. So um, everybody, my book, I better get my book out. So um, a lot of people have asked me about my book. You can get it for free on our website. You just need to pay the postage. That's all you do. And a lot of people didn't realize that, uh, that they can do that for this book. So just go to our website. I think there's a link up on the top there that the guys are putting up. I don't know which shot I'm going to push on, but I, know, but I know there is a link, sorry, a link in the description tonight. Um, and if you are watching the replay, it is up on the top left or right of the screen. So just click on that. It'll take you to the page where you can order it. Best, best postage you'll ever spend. So now we're going to go into our topic for that, aren't we, Janine? I think? We are, which is exciting, isn't it? Hmm. Um, now, I hope you're enjoying the show so far. We've lots more to come before we get into that. It's a perfect time now to hit that subscribe button. So go for it, knock yourself out, and also please like the video. All right, now, uh, the, tonight to start off, it's the topic, short selling explained how to profit from falling stock prices. When you looked at this one, you probably thought, what the? First of all, you may be wondering what it is. What is short selling? The more fundamental question, though, is why do someone, why would someone do it? Um, or why is there a, such a thing called short selling? You probably guessed right. Um, it's all about making money. Now, it's not just um, making money from rising prices, is it? It's more um, it's a, it sounds illogical, doesn't it, to actually think about trying to make money from falling prices. So have you heard the saying that markets go up in stairs and down in elevators? Well, essentially, markets fall faster than they rise. Okay, think about that for a moment. 
Now that noise you hear between your ears is probably a light bulb moment in action. For those who have never heard about short selling before, it's possible to make money from falling prices much faster than rising prices. Now in our Forex CFD course, we talk about, we have short selling in there and you're trained on how um, to make money from rising and falling markets, to enter into a position with the expectation of tradable a tradable instrument falling away in price. So this is what it is, most commonly referred to as short selling. Tonight we want to share with you how to make money from falling stock prices and this will be the first of a number of topics we cover about short selling and we'll have more on this over the coming months. So look, um, Dale, I think um, we probably should have it start by having a look and I think it's exciting. Something. You're selling something you actually don't own. You think that's exciting? Yeah, well, people, as you said, it's, it's, it's something look, We called it Irish trading originally. I remember we used to joke about that. And then I, I please excuse me if there are any people that come from Ireland out there. But, um, we, it's so rude of it you. It is rude. Um, however, you know, people can't understand, well, how can I, like Dale said, how can I actually sell something I don't own? But go on, you wanted to say something more. No, I was just saying off. it is, and you're right, it's counterintuitive. A lot of people go, oh, just short selling, and they're going, what? And mm. people just start screwing their face up at you, going, oh, I don't understand that. How can you sell something you don't own? Mm. And it is, you just basically just borrow, you're borrowing the stock from somewhere else, selling it on the market, the money gets put in a margin account. Um, and then the stock price keeps going along. And what you hope is that the stock price falls away and you buy it back at some later point down the track for lower price than you sold it for. And then when you do that, you get the profits and you give the person back their shares. Simple, or mm. wherever you got the shares from. Now, before we get into the details mm. about what is, mm. what is your fundamental belief on short selling? Do you think that the big sharks out there, the hedge funds and the like, should be able to come in and plunder the market the way they did during COVID? No. Mm -hmm. I don't think they should because it's not about creating value. Mm. Uh, and to me, the stock market was created about um, in bad investing and creating value. And just because you can legally do something doesn't necessarily make it right, like high-frequency trading. I don't think that's right. Mm -hmm. You know, they argue it creates more liquidity. Well, yeah, but liquidity for who? Yeah, and who's the advantage for? And who's for? the advantage for? And you're getting So these... basically they borrow the stock off super funds. We've talked about this mm. briefly in shows before. Mm. Australian super funds drop, they get a really, they get ripped off basically because mm. they get such a small margin compared to what the short seller gets. Yeah. And the short seller makes a squillion and then they know that the share price is going to fall because these are big brokers potentially talking to other brokers. Yeah. And then they think, okay, well, that looks like all the shorts are, have, um, you know, finished now. They're starting to dry up. They're up, unwinding the positions and bang, they jump back in and make money on the rise. Yeah. And then walk away and, and the super funds and some of the managed funds are left holding the... Yeah, but that's where, to me, that's where the laws mm. need to change. That How can your super fund lend out stock? Yeah. Like, to me, that should be protected. Mm. If you as an individual have some shares and you want to lend them out for somebody to short sell, that's a different situation to me, but your super fund. And so that's yeah. the sort of stuff that I have against this sort of thing because it, it does create more volatility in the market. And yes, people who are smart enough can profit from that volatility in terms of the downward moves, but it really is about getting it right. So do you think individuals, like an individual, should be able to short sell then? Not necessarily, but I think it's... It, it is a way you need to basically be able to hedge your positions. So mm -hmm. that's really what it was about, short selling and having um, de de derivatives and those sorts of things are able to hedge your positions so that you can go into a neutral position. So like shorting, if you've got BHP shares and a lot of people um, 
may have heard of this before. Like if you've got BHP shares, I, and let's say I've got 1,000, I can go in a short position on 1,000 BHP shares on a CFD contract, and now I'm in a neutral position. I don't lose, I don't make. Mm. It's just cost me a little bit of money to protect my shares. That's great mm. for, for individuals to be able to do that. But I think on math, having big hedge funds having to do that because you only have to watch shows like Billions on Stand, mm. you know, that just shows you what they do. And it's, it's quite underhanded, a lot of that stuff. Mm. And they put out rumours, they do all sorts of things that affect people's lives and companies' lives yeah. because they can profit from it, as you said, big mm. time. So how do people short sell? So we're going to show them some stuff. Yeah, so basically you're saying that you don't agree that people should be able to do it, essentially, unless they're using it to hedge. Um, I mean, look, I, there's an argument that I have that says mm. that I think that little individuals, if they're saying that that helps liquidity, then let individuals do it because mm. individuals aren't going to affect the market like the big funds Correct. and create what is called an artificial reaction on our market to me yeah, that's are. not not normal and um, so i think that that's okay but i don't i agree with you i don't think that big hedge funds should be able to borrow the stock off super funds because you think about how much money's sitting there in super funds that they can get access to mm. so but look um it's the way that some of the broking industry set up as well mm -hmm. anyway because the broking industry set up with some of those brokers actually want to hold the stock Yes. So when you go to a broker, you need to find out who's holding the stock. So if the brokers say, well, we hold on to the stock, then that means that they're going to lend that stock out potentially. So that's another important thing. And that's sometimes why they can keep the brokerage so ch cheap, isn't it? But that's that's an important point a lot of people don't know. The brokers mm. have house accounts. Yeah. So they they have big pools of stocks, or some of the stock, not all the brokers, but the big brokers do. They have pools of stocks that they will lend out. They'll do all sorts of things with, and they'll do settlements to reduce mm. their, their costs. Um, and, and they make more money out of that. And a lot of people don't understand that. They just think if they buy through the broker, that they're buying through the ASX and coming back again. It's not necessarily the case. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in those back okay. rooms um, that does actually happen. So let's get on to talking about the yeah. short selling side and bring up a chart there on the screen. And we can see there that basically short selling is actually, you're actually um, selling something before you own it and then buying it back in at a lower price. So you're selling high and buying back in low to close a contract essentially over the underlying stock. So it's not like you're, like Dale's saying, that, saying before that the stock is borrowed. So yes, the stock is borrowed. So what are you investing in? Well, you're not investing in anything. You're just buying a contract. Mm. So we're opening a position. So essentially, if you look at that chart there, you can see that as the stock price was falling, you're looking to enter one cent below that trough. It's marked with the word trough there, and then there's a lower peak there. This, is, this chart's actually part of our... Um, CFD, a Forex CFD course, and we're teaching people um, some strategies. So it's about getting that momentum or the, the first indication that the momentum is going down. And mm. this is only one rule. Mm. Like there's lots of different rules you can use. So once that momentum down is confirmed, your risk is lower. Essentially, that's what you're trying to do, is not try to get into a short position when it's bullish. The amount of people I've mm. seen who don't know anything about the market, who try to jump into a short position when the stock's actually high and mm. pushing strongly up, um, there's a lot of people who do that. And it's actually crazy doing that. It's like it's just like trying to catch the falling knife scenario to go long and buy a stock to, to take advantage from a rise. You're doing the same thing, but in reverse. And that's something you want to avoid. So you want to wait for some sort of confirmation that the stocks are likely to continue to fall. But again, you need to know the history of any share, which is what we teach you, so that you can go back and see, well, how often, if that happens, am I going to get a positive result? 
and then make a decision based on that, not just blindly, you know, with blinkers on, say, oh, I can see that scenario that Dale and Janine talked about, mm. I'm going to shorter share. Well, if you haven't done your research and you haven't tested it, then how do you know that that's actually going to result? Because some stocks can do that and then only go down for a couple of weeks and reverse back up again. Correct. You need to know direction, mm. strength of direction, how long that direction is going to be. But also different instruments have different criteria in them. So are you leveraging 10 to 1 or 99 mm. to 1? So And therefore your stop loss where we've put it may change depending on the leverage you're taking yeah. and where your stop loss is. Now, a lot of people may not understand that when you go into a shorting position, you have to give the broker money to put into a, a margin account to guarantee your position. So if the position goes against you, the broker starts taking some of your cash in that, that they're account. They're covered. They're covered. They're not going to go at risk. So they're just starting to take some of your margin the more the position they'll goes against you. you. They'll just sell your position if they Yeah, and often mm. short selling, yeah. And, so they'll, and if you get to a point, they'll just sell you out and close out your position. Um, so you don't go too much into debt, but there is they are changing laws at the moment around futures uh, uh, trading and, and CFD trading about how much leverage you can take. I know the ASIC is changing at the moment. I'm not sure whether they're in yet at the moment, but I know it's pretty close if they're not. Um, but the the graph we showed people is just a real simplified thing, and there's no time frame on that. We're not saying it's daily, weekly, monthly, or interest trading. It just depends on the context of the trades, mm. what instrument you're trading, and how you're going to do it. This but is just clearly my if way. you get that confirmation on a Absolutely. weekly. It's stronger hmm. in theory uh, depending on the history but the stop loss you're talking about there it's trailing it down hmm. so the idea is to set the stop loss above where you've entered hmm. right so this is in reverse of what you would do if you were buying a stock to make hmm. a profit from a rising share price you're actually setting the stop above and if it trades back up through that then obviously you're out, you're out. of your position and that's working it out into dollar terms and looking mm. at how much risk you're taking and everything else. And, but you're right, I see so many people trying to short bullish stocks. Yep. And, I, and they go, I want to short this. Like I go, why? It's going up. And they go, well, it went down last week. And I went, that doesn't mean it's bearish yet. Or <laughs> it's so high, it's got to start falling It's so falling high, soon. it's got to start falling. So yeah. you are right from that. Now, I know we're going to show people some other things on here. So we're going to show them stuff on the ASX. Now, the ASX has got a new website. If you haven't seen it, go there. Uh, they launched it on the weekend. looks great. Um, some good research there. Now, on the ASX website, we've also there's also released the 2020 ASX shareholder survey. Now, I'm going to get into that. I started flicking through it the other day They where they uh, research and they bring it out, I think, every two or three years, I think it is. Um, but it talks about how people get into the market, what they do, where they find their research and the common things that people have between different age brackets and you'll find yourself in there anyway. Um, but download that, it's free to download, but Janine and I will be talking about it over the coming month anyway and we'll be pulling some statistics out of that for you. But you've gone to the ASX website and you've downloaded yep. some stuff, so explain what you've got there. Now, we might have to enlarge this if we can because you can see there, this is a link to a website the asx.com.au data slash short sales. So this is a, a record of the short, the daily gross short sales right. reported. Um, so this is, was for the 12th of October. So I did this yesterday. And you can see there that on the right-hand side of the list, there's the percentage of issued capital reported as shorted, short sold, right? The, the second column from the right is issued capital. So it's a total number of shares that have been issued on the market, no yep, and then reported gross short sales next. So this is the number, the quantity that's actually um, currently in open positions and being short sold. And then, of course, on the far left, you can see the ASX code for the stock ETF or whatever it is. 
um, and the company name and product class. Okay. This is uh, that really surprised me when I saw that data. Mm. I would have expected a lot more short selling in there. Well, look, I mean, there's a lot. This is the whole market. So if you look at what now, what I've gone and done, I'm just going to bring up something else here. So I've actually um, I got Emma to help mm -hmm. us out. So Emma's hopefully she'll at some stage people will hear from Emma. So what she's done for me is she's put it into a spreadsheet so that then I could go and have a look at what the the, the biggest um, percentages um, or the companies or, or, or the ETFs largest of short sold, that yeah. have the largest amount of stock that's being short sold. And I was quite surprised. So this mm. is telling me that. Um, things have changed a little since when I looked at it last. So you can see there that 3.36% uh, of the equity or the, the, the stock on Van Eyck Vectors, um, it says video game and entertainment, it's an ETF, is actually being shorted. So and they're expecting that, yeah, it's a 3% yeah. of the total amount of shares. So there's an yeah. expectation that will fall away. Yeah, and so you come down that list there and you can start to see now, we had Zipco up before. I'm just mm. going to highlight this one. Now, can everybody see that okay? Is that something that's easy Yeah, they can see. And I'll see. bring it up. I'll make it a bit larger so you can see it. So there you go. Okay, so you can see Zipco at the bottom of the list there I've highlighted. Now, this is actually saying that um, there is 0.18% of its shares being yeah, short sold. Being short sold. Okay, so that that's the, the level of... Um, Shorts currently. I would have been interesting to see what this would have been like oh. before last week, the Friday that Trump got COVID. But what about the, in the in the actual um, sell-off? Would have been interesting to see what happened. Yeah, because on mm. on my report yesterday that I sent out, I said was last week. So we got a question: Was last week a a short squeeze? Right. Okay. And I and I said, well, you got to think about that, you know, mm -hmm. because obviously, if Trump got COVID, we were bearish before that. Mm -hmm. There probably would have been a higher amount of stocks short sold, or percentage sh short sold on those stocks. Yep. Comes out, Trump doesn't have COVID. Mm, <laughs> not sure about that one. Or he's okay. He's going to live. He'll be I'm fine. I'm glad he's okay. I'm glad he's okay too. But how do you get COVID and can't get treated in hospital and saying you're really bad and then come out and be on the campaign trail in nine days? Like mm. it just doesn't happen. And but he's it's not, Trump though. But it's Trump. He's a miracle man. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to get into that anymore. Um, but how that would have changed last week because I can... Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, if it's short selling, uh, they're trying to cover their positions because the market started going up because America went up saying, hey, Trump's okay, mm. yep. so let's push it up. And so a lot of buying went in, and so you could have got a lot of people covering their shorts, so mm -hmm. buying back their positions. Uh, and the more they buy it back, the more it, it snowballs up, and that's what causes the short squeeze. If there's not enough um, stock to buy, then the price has to go rocketing up. So that possibly could have happened last week, but five days of it, that's a long period of, to do that over a period for a short squeeze. Normally, I would think it'd only be a few days, mm -hmm. two or three days. So it'd be interesting to see what, I would have loved to have seen those figures as of that Friday. Yeah, so when there's a short squeeze, mm. it then bounces. Hmm. after the short squeeze because they're releasing their positions. But look, um, you know, this is something you could keep an eye on. It's available on the on the internet. You can download this, uh, you get access to it and then copy it to a spreadsheet if you like on a daily basis to see what's going on. But it's interesting, isn't it? And this doesn't necessarily hmm. mean, whatever the data here, doesn't necessarily mean that hmm. the stock price is not going to fall away. 
No, correct. And mm. it's just saying that's the percentage short sold. So, you know, when we're talking about short selling, so how do you mm. short sell? So the first thing is you've got to have your technical analysis right. If you can't read charts, then short selling is going to be a real struggle for you. That's one of my biggest tips because you really do need to understand direction and strength. They're the number two, one and two things you need to know first and foremost before you try and short sell. So direction is number one and strength of that direction. So how far is it likely to fall? And you've got to get your timing right because you can't short sell unless you are leveraged and what we mean by that is you need to put up money into a margin account like we mentioned before and then you take a position by selling the asset that you don't own so whether that's you trading futures you can trade short you can trade CFD short on indices and currencies and commodities you can also trade commodities and short um, with futures contracts you can trade contracts for difference you can also short using options um, both here in Australia and in the US or you can just short sell the stock if you like to do that so there's multiple ways of doing it but first and foremost you've got to get the direction and strength right and get your entry right because you are leveraged the entry becomes far more critical to you buying or getting into that position or what they call opening the position because you don't want to be getting into it too early and having a go against you a bit because your margin's going to be eaten away and you're going to be a bit stressed and then your broker may get a bit stressed as well um, and then it might go too far that you might get stopped out or exiting that trade before it starts to gain momentum and that's what Janine was saying a little bit earlier about you know you don't short a stock that's you know going up you need to make sure it's going down because quite often you'll see the biggest drops are not towards the end of the runs and now we've done some interesting um, research in the last day or so that we're not going to tell you about but we're going to bring it up on flicks on friday so and you're looking at it stunned oh, i told you about no, that no i'm just saying can we just have some fun yeah instead well, of talking can we just look at a chart have and... some fun i was waiting for you to get ready to take over no, no, I didn't know that you were. You, know, you weren't giving me those signs. So just looking at the stock now, right, it's okay. still bullish. Even though we've got two weeks down, there is yeah. no sign that Whitehaven coal was falling away yeah. until we saw this because this prior low got taken out mm. on the chart there. And once that happened, this low here, it started to look bullish. But still, if we think about that chart we showed you before, it's not until this bar here mm. that it actually started looking like it could fall away that's further. That's where I would have started looking at shorting yeah, it. So that's where you start looking, but then it went up. So mm. you would have been stopped out potentially if, if mm. but it, did it go through that low there? 407, the low here is 4075. It went through by half a cent. So this is where some mm. people say, oh, should you actually set the trigger um, one whole cent below or how, how, when you're talking about a small price stock, for mm. example, you know, this is this is half a cent, but well, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go on a half a cent below. Yeah, but whilst we think the direction is down right now on this, mm -hmm. but how strongly down is it? And that's the other analysis you've got to do. Yeah, that's right. So, so essentially, mm. if you went and you would have been stopped out there. Yeah. But here we go again. It started to move up. We're looking really strong, and it's gone up again. Mm. So, see, people who jumped out at that first sign of mm. maybe one or two bars down, missed out on the next part of the run. Mm. But then look what happened. So it wasn't in really until here that it started to show that it was really going down. Yeah. And this would potentially be an opportunity to wait for to get the setup. So, um, you know, this is short selling. You could get whipped in and out with mm. short selling. And this is where you've really got to know the history of the stock and not just look at what it's doing now. You've got to go back in time to see what's the best way to trade this. Because yep. it may have actually told you, the history of the data may have told you that the best technical reason to get in would have been in, on the 12th of October, potentially. Yeah. I think the best piece of advice I can give somebody... And look at that. 
Well, mm. yeah, it's, that, that would have made a lot of money. Yeah. Because if you're leveraged, if you're leveraged ten to one, and let's just say ten to one on that, and I'll put a little little tool on here, going from say that close there of that week down to here, you we're talking about twenty percent. Ten to mm. one, that's two hundred percent. You made your money on a CFD because on it's a leveraged. CFD. Yeah, yeah. If you're ninety nine to one, you've just made a hell of a lot more than that again. So you can make money quickly. But what you need to be careful of is what I was going to suggest is. Shorting is completely different than trading long. You know, trading yeah. long is a little bit more forgiving because you're not on a margin. You don't you don't necessarily have you're leverage. You're not using leverage unless okay. you're using a margin line. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you want to short a stock or want to be shorting, then I would suggest you have a very small amount of companies that you're watching to do it. Two or three that you're going to watch to do it and know them backwards before you get into them and start doing that. It's not about breadth when you're talking about shorting and having a look at 100 stocks like it is for buying stocks your portfolio. Just a couple that you like and that you make sure they're going down and then you trade Prove that, that you can trade them long first, mm. I would say, because that helps mm. you get to know the personality of the share first. Well, the brokers know that most people get it wrong because they know when they're shorting 90% of the time they're going to get it wrong yeah. because the brokers always hedge themselves in case you get it wrong, mm. but they also match off the bullish bulls and the bears before they do that. So, All right. but look, we can talk about topic. this in, in our but next one. But we are going to talk we? about it more, aren't we, sometime? We are, definitely. Janine's promised. <laughs> now let's get into some more emails. But before we do, remember to hit that subscribe button now. And whilst you're there, give us a big thumbs up and click on the like button. Do you like the show? I'm asking your question. Do you ask her if she likes it. Do you like the show? Gosh, that's a silly question, isn't it? <laughs> the next email we have is from Mike. Hi, Dale and Janine. Since reading Accelerate Your Wealth, I've been using stop losses systematically. However, I'm confused about setting them as a limit price below the trigger or at market. I know you're going to like this one. I've tested both out over the past year and feel that when I set up a limit price, the shares are sold closer to the limit price rather than the trigger. And when the share price is triggered at market, the sale price is generally a couple of cents below the trigger price. I only invest in ASX 100 companies, that's great. Therefore, are there general rules around using a limit price and how far below the trigger do you set this? Good question, or at market. So this is where it comes to the whole point about having triggers to, to decide to get into, to you know, buy shares and then actually going into the marketplace and setting that and how you do that best, isn't it mm. really? And you've talked to people about this before, is not trying to, you know, we, we talk about selling one cent below the actual trigger. Where, so you've got an exit strategy and you're actually selling one cent below where the actual trigger occurs. But in some cases, it depends on the volatility of the stock. Mm. You know, this is where you have to know the share. You might need to set that trigger well below the trigger point to actually ensure that you're not just going to get whipped in one cent under the price and then it goes back up again, for example. I think, that, I mean, the question is a lot more to me than mm. just where you set, where the, because he's saying, do you set an at market stop loss or do you, or do you set a limit price? Well, outside of market hours, you can only set a limit. Anyway, so if you're putting a stop loss on of a trade for tomorrow that you say you got the trigger to say you got stopped stopped out of it, you can only put a limit on limit order on outside of market hours. You can only put an at market order on while the market's actually trading. So there's two things there. The second thing is is it's about risk. It's about are you going to be able to watch the stock when it getting get, gets close to your stop loss and will you enact it when it happens? So that's one thing as well. And often setting a limit order that's in the system you'll lose, you, you'll, it'll get you out up to that limit, the best price up to the limit. Now, if it's more volatile, then you're probably going to get a little bit more slippage. But it's more, also, it's, 
What, to me, it's more about what gives you more comfort because we're only talking about small cents here. We're not talking about 10 or 15%. We're only talking half a percent, quarter of a cent, maybe 1%, maybe so different. give away a little bit more to give guarantee Give away a little bit exit. more to guarantee mm. your exit. So I'm not too stressed about it. It's about having your stop loss set in the right spot or the right strategy for your stop loss and then choosing the stop loss that's going to give you more comfort. So again, if you can trade during the day and place your trade during the day, then an at-market order is fine. And most of the orders that I trade are at-market. They're never at limit. But, you, but if I'm trading outside of market hours because I know I'm not going to be able to watch it in the morning, then I do put a limit. But I allow an extra about a percentage a percent of that and generally you'll get pretty close to that if you're trading good liquid stocks if you're trading lower cap stocks or more volatile and more lower cap stocks you're going to find it's going to be a little bit more variance from your guaranteed or your limit and I think that's probably so did you ever find a situation where you set mm. the exit and you didn't get triggered yeah Mm. Yeah, that happens. I've had yeah. stocks so where it's come down, it's that. triggered my stop loss. I didn't have it in a broker system. It's mm. come back and closed right on my stop loss for the day. So it didn't trigger. And then I've made 100% in the next three months. <laughs> so it's like, oh, glad I didn't sell that during the day. Yeah. So, but people, that's the reason why you have a stop loss is mm. because you, you have that rule. And I was only chatting to, to um, on email with a, a former student yesterday. Um, lovely bloke from down in Hamilton who drives garbage trucks and um, he, uh, we've had some great chats in the past and he remembered I was a Cats fan, go Cats. Um, we're going to win the grand final this year. Um, but it was talking about stop losses and setting them in the right spot and making sure you trust your rules. So, so, but who's the kangaroos? The kangaroos, somebody's talking in my ear about kangaroos. That was your director. My director. The kangaroos aren't even in the finals now, so we'll forget about them. But good question, wasn't it? That was. Now you're up. No, I'm up. The next question is from Shane. Hi, Shane. Um, he says, good morning, Darwin. Well, it's good evening for me, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I brought into Infinity Lithium as a long-term hold in April this year. Now, upon receiving correspondence relating to a non-renounceable pro rata offer and being new to investing, I took it at face value. I saw that the company was literally offering me one share for every eight of mine along with an option for every two new shares. Um, I saw my holding being heavily diluted, at which point uh, smoke rose from my ears and I purchased the pitchfork. <laughs> uh, I labelled the directors as cowboys and I jumped ship. So I'm assuming he sold. Um, give me the good ones, don't you? I'm now wondering if I misunderstood the outcome of this offer and jumped too early. Uh, please shine your light on this as confirmation that I was correct to jump first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're good, aren't you? Um, I, look, I don't know what the offer was, so I can't make a comment on the offer, but you have to read and understand the offer before you jump ship. Often offers are quite good. Janine and I generally don't take a lot of them um, because it's just about... It's about your long-term view. You said you had a long-term view on the stock. So, you know, if you can get more shares um, at a better discounted price, to, then it could be okay. So, so you have to buy them. That's yeah. the point, isn't it? Yeah, so you, you have, have to, to buy fork them. out money and buy them. So you're not mm. going to buy more of something that's mm. already in a loss. But yeah. the, the problem is that your shares get diluted mm. with these offers. Mm. The only thing is, you mean, the, the, the um, renounceable ones are the best ones to get because mm. they're the ones that you can actually sell on market. Yeah. So these ones you can't actually trade on the market. Um, mm. So, but, you know, it's really hard for investors to, to think about this because you've got to either decide, okay, if I don't put more money into this, then my existing shares are going to be diluted. Yeah. And essentially I'm losing value on existing shares. It may mean that you, you know, you're not sure about the direction of the share. You just want to see what which way it goes mm -hmm. first, and you don't want to put more money into it, and that's fine as well. I don't think that he's done 
um, the right thing necessarily because he's got mm. to have rules about yeah. exiting the Shia, not just exiting based on an announcement. And Shane, I think it's great that you're asking this question because people need to you know, decide for themselves which way they should go. But, I mean, the share has been just trading sideways. It's gone nowhere. Yeah, I know. I mean, for the last few years, people have been so excited about lithium and so many lithium stocks have gone nowhere because they think, well, lithium, you know, in all the batteries, all the car batteries, everything's got lithium in it. But mm. then they're not thinking past that again, you know, because there's already batteries that don't need lithium. Mm-hmm that are better than lithium batteries. There's already other alternative energy storage systems that don't need lithium too. So it's not always that it's a finite rare rare, met, rare earth that mm. it's just gonna get more valuable and more valuable. Because as things get more expensive, they find other technologies that are less expensive to do the same job. Yeah. That's just normal. Um, and so right now, but I But looking I, at I the long-term chart, mm. right? If you look at the, the long-term picture of the stock, if we were thinking about this and looking at it- It's quite a volatile stock. It's quite volatile, but it's holding up. And it is. So, you know, there is a potential. If this thing rises above, what, maybe um, 10 and a half cents, it could start going up again. Yeah, the so real risk is a fall below this low here. That's yeah, the challenge. I'm with you. I mean, I wouldn't, I, I would have looked at a little bit more. I looked at the chart, decided mm-hmm. whether I needed more shares or I had the capital to put more shares in. And, but I wouldn't necessarily have sold if I thought, well, I don't have enough capital to buy more shares. Yep. I don't really want to take it up, but I wouldn't necessarily have sold if it looks good. But you only know what you know. But I only know what I know at the time, and that's mm. you know, whatever whatever time frame that was. In. I'm not talking about you particularly mm. looking at a chart. I'm talking about someone who doesn't who hasn't got the knowledge to look at yeah, a chart, yeah, for yeah. example. And often some of those those mm. offers are just confusing. Yeah. They just you know, Janine and I read them and we're confused. So mm. I can understand people that are not necessarily trained or used to seeing these get confused. So yeah. don't worry about it. You know, just say it was just a learning experience. Right, this email is from Fahad. Hi, Dale and Janine. Can you please take a look at Sol for me? The weekly chart shows it's broken that strong resistance around $21, $22 and seems to have finished in the last two weeks above that. Looking at the history, it seems this stock trends well when it is in an upward trend. I'm looking to enter this stock but just can't decide if it's too early to jump in. Would you recommend looking at the monthly chart for a confirmation of upward trend for a stock like Sol? given it's been in a downward trend so long. Great question, Fahad. Now, we've also got a question on Sol from another um, mm. viewer called Michael. So it looks like Fahad and Michael have actually got something in common there in terms of the stocks that they're watching. But first of all, she's talking about $21.22 as being an important level on the share. It's actually rocketed through that Way recently. That. It's actually gone past any resistance that mm. I would have been concerned about it. Um, which was more around that $23 mark. So it was looking quite good. Now, if I was in this share, I would actually be holding it for sure. Mm. But if I wasn't in it at this point, then I wouldn't be buying it now. The confirmation on the monthly has already been well and truly there. It's been up for many months now. So, you know, yes, I actually would agree that you would always go to the monthly chart for confirmation of direction as well, um, as, as well as looking for an entry rule on the weekly chart. And Michael got it in November, didn't he? So it's saying now he's with got Michael, it. yeah, Michael purchased 600 shares in November 2019. So if we go and have a look at where that was, so he went into a loss for a while, then has come back because he was buying yeah. it around 23, I think. So that was a side part of a sideways move here. Mm. Now it got hit hard with COVID, so it gave reason to exit mm. around here. Um, it gave a number of reasons to get out of it actually along the way before mm. COVID, and then the big hit came. So if you ha- if you stayed in it, obviously mm. you 
you'd still you'd yeah. be all right. So He's Michael liked now. the share. He held it, mm. and hoping after it had fallen away He's with lucky, COVID. Basically. He's hoping Just it lucky. would rise in the share yeah. price. You know, now he's above his mm. buy price. So, you know, and obviously, as you rightly would, Michael, you're thinking, well, hey, what am I doing here? I've gone through the roller coaster. I bought it. It's gone down below my buy price. It's gone back above my price. price. What do I do? Hang on is our answer. Right now, I think it's looking all right. You think it's well, looking all right? We're not giving personal financial advice, but we've just said that we think it's bullish. And, and you know, if we were holding this share, then we wouldn't be selling it right mm. now. It's important to bear in mind that liquidity of this share is mm. lower than it's a lot, lot of lower. shares. And you really need to have a good look at that and the volatility per week just to understand a bit of the history and how it moves. So look at a weekly we, chart. We go for so long without talking about this stock, and yet in the mm. last couple of months we've talked about this a few times. A few times we have, yeah. So it's really interesting. But anyway, thanks for the question, uh, Michael. And what was the other person? I can't remember. It was um, Fahad. Fahad. Sorry, Fahad and Michael. Great question. A good-looking stock. Um, hopefully we've helped you out with that one. And now the next question we got is, I think it's from Tech, or Techlahans, I think is how we say it, who says, Hi, Dale and Janine. Thanks for the great show. Been in it. Simic since the mid-March this year. So Simic used to be, was it Leighton's Holdings? Yeah. The old Leighton's Holdings. Um, when COVID got hit, um, I got in expecting government stimulus to come and assist the sector, when, which finally came in last week, and the stock shot up strongly the same week. In fact, it was the best performer for the week from the ASX 200, as you mentioned on your Monday report. Now, Dale, I was wondering if this is a dead cat bounce. Like, I love that technical term. Dead cat <laughs> bounce or a sign of finding a bottom for now. Where do you see the stock from current level to short to medium term, please, kind regards. Tech, dead cat now, when, when we were at workshops and we would mm. bring up this topic, you used to do the, make the sound of the cat, and I thought, it, you know, you used to get a few laughs, but I thought it was pretty awful. You're trying to get me to play drums, you're trying to get me to play guitar, now you're trying to get noises. me to make cartoon character sounds. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I know. Just what's the stock it's a long doing? Sim, Simic Group, okay. We've talked about this back in June mm -hmm. where a lot of the stock is now held by an overseas company. So that seriously mm. affects how this share is likely to trade. Yep. And because of that, we don't look at it now. So in terms of this share and what it's likely to do, I mean, it could do anything in the short term right now. Mm. And... You know, if it trades back above $24, that would be a good thing for the share. It might even get up back up to around $28. But, you know, I don't know what's going to happen if they fully take over the stock. It's just yeah. going to disappear from the market and therefore um, it that may never get to its potential. Mm. So, And this is what we see a lot. When shares mm. get taken over, we can sit here and do some technical analysis and tell um, the media where, where we think the shares are valued at and where they mm. should be trading to over the coming months or year. But sometimes the directors sell the stock, you know, out way cheaper than what mm. they really should. And maybe they're just looking at the fundamentals of what is now, but we can see what's potentially coming. Now, I mean, this share has a potential to rise well above $34, but it may never get there. Yeah, it may never get there. I don't think it's a dead cat bounce, but I think it's, it's got... It's definitely not it's, a dead cat it's bounce. It's definitely not a dead cat so bounce. So I don't know what theories, you know, you've been referring to. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's sort of like Netflix when, you know, if you turn Netflix on, it goes boom, boom. Yeah, a dead that's cat like bounces a dead when cat you bounce. get the bounce off a bottom mm. um, that's already there. So we're not seeing any of that sort of bottoming because no. the bottom's way down here, the, the last bottom. I'd like to see it show a little bit more strength before I 
I've got more bullish on it. I think I think it's probably a little bit early for me yeah. right now. But anyway, let's. Uh, good question, Tech. Uh, thank you for sending that in. But this is an email from Abhaya, who says, "Hi, Dale and Janine. Waiting to watch your show tonight. Thank you very much for that. Um, please give us your thoughts on Newcrest Mining dual listing. What are the pros and cons for ASX holders if it is one for one capital listing TSX market cap doubled?" with 50 cash for new exploration. I'm sure you've read the research what that was all about. You're hoping I um, did. I'm, help, I'm hoping you did. Um, please explain how this works. General dual listing, hope to buy under $30. Thank you, regards, Abhaya. Okay, so you know about the dual listings because yeah. we've got big stocks on our market. We do, BHP is probably the most classic yeah. example of that. News Corp is also dual listed. Yeah, and we know what happens when a stock's dually listed, don't we? Mm. Because it ends up gapping a lot mm. more on daily charts, gaps all over the mm. place. So gaps are not reliable in terms of trying to work out whether it's going to fill those gaps or mm. not, like BHP. So Newcrest Mining, I actually think it's a good thing for mm. Newcrest. And when stocks are listed on dual exchanges like this, it actually opens up, and like the CEO said, it's opening up a whole new market for them to raise further funds and capital. And they're, they're making a huge investment over there. So mm. it makes sense to be on the ground there mm. and to attract more investors to the market. And um, I mean, Resmed, Resmed's dual listed too. Yeah, pretty sure. Yeah. So, so I mean, there's some pretty good companies we've just mentioned that are dual listed. News Corp yeah. probably the only one I wouldn't trade much because it's, it's a lower it, liquidity it's since now, it, isn't it? Yeah, since it was dual listed, it really doesn't done well. But BHP and Resmed are done brilliantly. Mm. So yeah, yeah, so look, it, it could actually help the share price. I think mm. over time, it's one to watch. But right now, it's not a buy because mm. the stock's down. And hoping to get the, the stock at around $30, I think this is where you've got to be really careful. You're talking yeah. about wanting a share to fall so you can get the stock cheaper. Now, if a stock falls, potentially it could continue mm. to be sold off and it might attract short sellers and that might push the share price well below where you end up buying. So don't catch a falling knife, as we always say. Look to get the share when once there's some momentum behind it and there's actually an interest in it. And the advantage for doing that is that you actually have, once the share's rising mm. from this low here, so if I give you an example, if the stock starts rising and we get a proper entry, mm. you've then got a low that yeah. you know is a definite point at which the trend, you know, or the, the short-term move, if it goes below that low, the trend could turn down eventually. Mm. Uh, and be confirmed down, but at the moment, I'd rather buy no it at commitment. a high price, knowing it's going up, than buy it a mm. wait for it to try and trade at a lower price and trade and buying it when it's going down. But people want to get cheap, is what you're always saying. Mm. I didn't say that; you did. <laughs> I just said I repeated <laughs> what you're saying. I feel like a ventriloquist. Yeah, I get in trouble <laughs> for doing that sort of stuff. But anyway, <laughs> but yeah, at the moment, I'd, I'd be staying out of this at this point in time. It looks a little bit weak this week, so it could still be going down. But um, but thanks for the question, anyway. Yeah, this is a really challenging stock mm. to trade as well. So mm. this is another thing because it can, can be quite volatile at times mm. and it can turn on a dime. Mm. Okay. Unfortunately, we've come to the end of tonight's show and we hope that you've really enjoyed the discussion tonight and we've inspired some of you to participate further in the stock market and learn as much as you can. Remember, your questions are important, so don't let them go unanswered. Also, if you have a topic that you would like us to discuss, send in your ideas and we'll look at your requests for upcoming shows. 
That's nice of you, isn't it? Now, remember to hit that subscribe button now and like the video. Janine's been working hard tonight, so I think she deserves a thumbs up and a like. And also remember to share the video of tonight's shows on your social media with your friends and colleagues and help them keep informed. And as the participation grows, we can deliver you more interesting and informative topics. Now, also remember to put the show on your calendar as we would love to have you here next Tuesday night because we'll be back live on Tuesday on YouTube, 7 to 8 p.m. and even on Facebook. Facebook as well. We'll be back live there to you next Tuesday as well. Now, if you'd like to have your questions answered on the show, either send your question in an email. And remember, video questions have priority. You can reach us by emailing info at wealthwithin.com.au and type Wealth Within Live in the subject line. Just remember, there were. it's important you get your email in before 3pm on Tuesdays. And if we get too many emails, sometimes we'll save those emails for a subsequent show. So you didn't miss out. If you, your question didn't get answered tonight, we'll look to put those in for, to next week for you. Okay, you sure? We might get too many next week. Well, they'll get first priority. Uh, I don't know. You're too soft, I tell you. <laughs> we really hope everybody enjoyed the show tonight as much as we have bringing it to you. And as always, thank you for joining us. We really do appreciate it. We do hope to see you again next week. But for now, goodbye, good luck, and good trading. Good night, everyone. Stay safe. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.